0: A number of you guys have been with us for the last uh, couple weeks, um, and know that as men, we're starting a new plan. Um, We're going through the one-year Bible this year alongside uh, all the other groups in the church. Uh, Basically, um, that's been something that the women have been doing for like 20-plus years, and it's been super effective. And... um, So a couple weeks ago, there was a number of guys that were gathering together in regards to what should we be covering as men. And it just seems so appropriate that we would be focusing back on the word of God rather than a book, but just really go through the word, allow the word of God to hide itself in our hearts, to implant itself in our lives and start to kind of chart a course for us. Seems right for us as a Bible teaching church to be doing that, so if you have been a part of that, um, there's an app that we've been using. Uh, I don't know, has anybody, how many of you guys, I know there's been a lot of guys that have been signed up for the app. Is anybody guys signed up for the app? So a couple things um, that Francelle wanted me to just encourage you to do. Um, if you are doing the uh, one-year program by yourself, that's completely okay. But one of the things that um, he was saying is that if you've gotten an invite from us, uh, from the men's ministry, it's under my name, but there's a group of us that are running and helping with that. Um, You have to accept the invitation. There's about 75 guys that are in a group, and then you can at the very end there, uh, it says talk it over, and you can make comments. And it's been super encouraging to hear the the various perspectives that um, God is speaking into the lives of the different men that are a part of that group. If you're a part of that group and you're not commenting, um, that's okay too. Uh, but I encourage you to comment because what it does is it helps us to sharpen one another uh, through encouragement, uh, especially when we read those scriptures and God speaks something specifically to us. And then we hear another guy say share uh, this or that, whatever God might be sharing with them. It's such a great encouragement um, and, and, a, and a way that we can build each other up as men. But I wanted to start in Psalm chapter 1. Before we really get into the text um, of Genesis chapter 12, let's see Joe Garcia accepting my friend request, I think. Um, thanks, Joe. There's only one person that denied the request. That was Chad. I don't know why. Chad doesn't want to be a part of the one-year Bible. So anyway, it's too short for him. Um, I just wanted to look at Psalm chapter one just as an intro um, because it really uh, just sets the pace um, for why we're doing what we're doing. What does the word of God uh, do in our lives? How do we approach the word of God? I know that when the women are going through the one-year Bible this evening, Debbie Bryson, who's their teacher, she's been doing that uh, for about 30 years. She was an instigator Uh, Of that for our church. And there's a couple questions. If you're taking notes. I encourage you to uh, write these things down. Is that when we approach the word of God. We should be asking at least three questions. What am I learning about God. In this passage. What is God speaking to me personally. And is God attempting to change. Or transform anything in my life. Now, when we look at this first Psalm, it's 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 a great place to start, and it's where we started uh, on January one. And I'll just read a couple things and, and and make some comments. Is Blessed is the man, verse one, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law he meditates day and night a few weeks ago, I was sitting with Francel in his office and he was just reminding me of something I felt was very important in regards to why do we have the Word of God? What does the Word of God do in our lives? And he gave me a picture as we were just talking and chatting about some things that we were learning and he was saying that the Word of God is like those guardrails on the street. It gives us boundaries. It provides protection. But he said something that was really interesting, and, and I have been kind of dwelling on this and then looking at some of these other scriptures I want to share with you, is that not only does it give us boundaries and protection, it gives us freedom. Now, I know when we think of boundaries or guidelines, we think of um, the law of the Lord, or we think like many people that aren't in the church is that it's just a system or, or list of things that we shouldn't do. But actually, it's a a system of things, and and it's the word of God gives us those things that God desires that we do. And it gives us a tremendous amount of freedom. Look at verse 2 in chapter 1. It says that this person that would find themselves walking with God, that he would be blessed as a man, is a man that delights in the law of the Lord. As Lance was sharing with us uh, that night when we were talking about this, is that his desire was that there would just be a renewed and a revived refreshment that men would delight in the law of the Lord. That there would be a new passion for God's word, a passion to know God through his word, a passion that God would speak through his word into our lives and transform our lives. He says there on this law, he meditates day and night that there would be a discipline in our lives on a regular basis to get into God's word, but also allow God's word to get into us. I'm reminded right here as we look at verse three of this idea of being firmly rooted and implanted. The word of God gives us a foundation. It gives us deep roots in who God is and what his desires are for our lives. But at the second part of that verse is it yields fruit in our lives. It allows the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and bear that fruit of the spirit. A few verses I was just meditating on in regards to this was Hebrews chapter four, verses 12. We're reminded that the word of God is a two-edged sword and it cuts deep into the, bone and marrow and it judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Psalm 119 says that the law of the Lord is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says that it's good for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that we might be ready and approved for every good work, that it's the inspired word. I love James chapter 1 because it says that we should receive the implanted word of truth. Now, one of the things that we have to be careful of, and I know Lance has mentioned this many times, is that we have to approach the word of God as a means of transformation, not just information. It's easy to get in the word and just read it and Take historical or archaeological or theological or, you know, those types of factual information, but never allow it to transform our lives by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that Lance mentioned on Saturday as we're going through the mentoring men is that he's hoping that as guys and as men, as we get into the word of God, it'll transform us as men. It'll transform our marriages. It'll transform our families. It'll transform the way we parent, the way we run our businesses, or the way we uh, work, or the way we commune with those in our community, but that it would transform our church. Amen? And so, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God can do with a group of men this size that would commit themselves to daily reading God's word. I was sharing with uh, high school kids that I teach on Tuesdays and Fridays um, that we're looking to develop a discipline, not just a habit, but a discipline. And I think there's a big difference between discipline and habit because a habit is just something that we can do and it can be something – rhythmical and we can do it reflexing without even thinking but a discipline has a very specific purpose that as we look at the word of God as we come uh, into the word of God each morning or evening or whenever it is that you uh, read the scriptures that we would come with a direct purpose to know God personally and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us that it would give us guidance and and wisdom for our marriages, for uh, our parenting, for our grandparenting, for our working and for our church life. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God uh, will do this year in 224. It'll be interesting to see where we're at in June and how God has transformed us. It'll look a lot different for those that commit and stay faithful in December of 2024, which seems like a long ways away, but it'll be here before you know it. And so I'm excited to see what God will do in my life and in your life, amen? So I want to look at a couple scriptures in um, Genesis. Actually, a couple phrases before we get to chapter 12, I want to look at some things from the life of 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 Abraham, but just kind of kicking off this idea of of dwelling in the 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 Word of God and and being men of God. I was sharing with uh, that same group on Tuesday. Sorry, it's a little bit weird when you don't have the mic here because then you gotta keep coming back to it. There was two men that I was just reading as we've been going through the first uh, few chapters of uh, the book of Genesis. And there was two phrases that as we're looking at the word of God in chapter one of Psalms and just the effect of the word of God um, on our lives and the desire and the expectation that we have this year. I was challenged and encouraged at the same time by two men one in chapter five of Genesis and one in chapter six of Genesis. Now there's just a very small phrase that that is spoken of these two men. The first is Enoch and it says there in chapter five, verse 22, Enoch walked with God. And in chapter six, Verse 9, it says, Noah walked with God. Now, I know that as we get into the word of God and as we allow the word of God to get into us, it's going to change us. But as I was sharing with the kids the other day, I was saying, when someone looks at your life or my life, what is the characteristic that they communicate when they see your life or my life wouldn't it be such a desire of all of us that if this was our life that it would say jason walked with god joe walked with god justin Steve and Carlos walked with God. Victor walked with God. Gabe walked with God. I think that is something that God would desire for our lives this year. That that would be the commitment and the passion and would be the why of our discipline in reading the word. I know it's easy when I get through the app. It's like easy to like read it, check it. So that at the end, you get those badges and sorts. There's some guys, I think they're trying to get the most badges. <laughs> but it's easy to run through the Word of God and not walk through it. Like you're walking through like a, like a trail and just noticing the trees and noticing the flowers and noticing the birds and the sounds and the smells. As we do that, I think our church is going to transform itself one life at a time, that we would be men that walk with God. So uh, let's turn over to Genesis chapter 12. I just want to look at a few things uh, from Abraham's life. Now, we had had Noah that walked with God. We had Enoch that walked with God. One of the things that um, we're not going to get to tonight because of limited time. And we're going to spend some time in groups answering questions. Um, But ultimately, Abraham was called the friend of God. Now, it didn't start off that way. In Abraham's life, if you look at chapter 11 towards the end, um, actually, if if you consider the book of Acts in chapter six and Stephen's message that he gave to the Pharisees before being stoned, we get some insights into the life of Abraham. That Abraham was a man that worshipped uh, the stars. He was a pagan. He had no idea who God was. And at one point, God invaded Abraham's life. I don't know if you remember the moment that God invaded your life. I do. I remember as a young man, I grew up in the church, and God, uh, I remember running from God. I remember going to church, but running from God, and in a youth meeting, God invaded my life. And I think that we have all had those experiences where that God spoke to us. He gave us a new vision for our life. And that's what we see in the life of Abraham in Stephen's message. That God had a call on Abraham's life, not only to draw him to himself, but that God desired that Abraham participate in a mission that God had to reach the world. Now there was a couple challenges, and we don't see that if we just read Genesis chapter eleven and chapter twelve. But at the end of Abraham, or at the end of chapter eleven, we get a little bit of insight. Now imagine God audibly speaking to you, inviting you into relationship with Him, and then giving you a mission to go from where you're living from what you're familiar with, even from your own family, to a place that you did not know. Now, one of the things I love about the scriptures, and especially about the life of Abraham, is that Abraham is not a perfect man. He doesn't start off perfect, but you see a long journey in the same direction with a lot of ups and downs. I love that about the scriptures, that in grace and in mercy, God shows us the reality of what it is to be a man that walks with God. And Abraham would do two things. I'm going to show, just kind of look at a few things that he'll do. And in the end of chapter 11, after God had spoken to him uh, to go from his country, to his from his kindred, from his father ho- father's house to a land that he would show him, and we'll get into the promise in a moment, it said that he would go as far as Haran. Now, God told him to leave his family. God called him to leave his father. But it seemed like the first steps of Abraham's faith, he went with his family and with his father. It's interesting, I've been just kind of like, as I go through this, I've been reading through uh, Warren Worsby's commentaries and he gives us some insights um, into names. And one of the things that we see here in the life of Abraham, if you're taking notes, first is delayed obedience. Terah means delay. God had called him to go out, to leave. Abraham goes so far and he hangs out in this place of delay. Now, as we look at that we realize that it's hard to leave by faith. It's hard to let go of things that are comfortable and familiar, people sometimes uh, that surround our lives, relationships that we've had for a long time. But God was calling Abraham to a life of separation. The call that God had on his life would require him to be separate, to cut away, and to let go of things that were close and familiar. It's easy for us as men to become very, very comfortable. I know that I can. Sometimes this is comfort with a place. Maybe it's comfort with the position, whether at work. In ministry. Most importantly, I think it's the comfort of a paycheck. years ago when we were at our old building, I remember that it was a season where God was moving us out and God spoke this word into our lives, into the church, Deuteronomy chapter one. God said to Moses, you've dwelt on this mountain long enough. Now go. One of the scriptures that has kind of guided my life over the last, say, eight 10 years is Isaiah chapter 54 1 through 3 where it says spread out your tent stakes stretch out your tent for I desire to do a new thing and I desire to move through you and through your family to reach nations so Abraham would get this call and we see there in verse 2 of chapter 12 I'll make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will Bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will curse, and in him or in, in you all the families of the of the earth shall be blessed. So God not only was calling Abraham with a command, but he was giving him a promise. Wordsby says that all of God's commands don't often come with a reason, but they do always come with a promise promise was that he would make him a great nation that he would bless him he would make his name great and not only would he make God or Abraham great but that he would be a conduit for the blessing of all peoples and all nations now imagine God invades his life God speaks to him specifically his father-in-law has died he's ready to go and there's one Thing again that happens. Look at verse 4. And Lot went with him. There's this picture of not only delayed obedience with Terah, but then there's this idea of partial obedience with Lot. It won't be till chapter 15 that God or God moves in Abraham's life that Abraham and Lot separate themselves. And then Abraham completely surrenders and moves into complete obedience. Now, I love even in that moment when he's partially obedient, God is still using and still ministering and still working through Abraham's life. And look at verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham And said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord, and he appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country to the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. One of the things that God is starting to establish in Abraham's life as he's walking forward and stepping forward is an ear for God's word, an expectation to see and hear from God. But he's also building into Abraham's life, this life of worship. Look what it says there. He built an altar to the Lord. After the Lord appeared to him, he builds an altar to the Lord and worships. He calls on the name of the Lord verse 8. This is a place that Abraham is going to continue to come back to. One of the things um, that I was just praying through a couple weeks ago is, Lord, what do you want to do this coming year? And I felt like the Lord gave me a word personally, this word quiet. Live a quiet had those words in the past where God might want to do something through me or he might want to take me somewhere or he might might want to do something through my life or my family's life. It's this place where God spoke to Abraham that he continues to come back to. Chapter 13 he comes back and chapter 14 he comes back. Chapter 15 he comes back to this place where God spoke to him. And he refreshes himself in that word that God had given to him. Now, we know that um, Abraham takes a detour again. He goes to Egypt. We see the first of many failures in Abraham's life when he sees Pharaoh and he tells Sarah to pretend that she's his sister. What Abraham is developing here is this idea of trust. Abraham had faith in God. He had heard from God. The Lord had appeared to him. But he had yet to build trust in God. And so I think that's why God shows us this failure is that it's in this failure that God shows Abraham that he can trust him. And the second failure I love that because it shows us this picture of God protects his promise. You remember that Abraham told Abimelech. Like don't touch her. She's part of a promise. And it's not like this happened within a couple hours because at the end of that passage it says like the Lord had closed the womb of the women in that area. Like they couldn't have. Babies. So it's this this long picture of Abraham's delayed obedience in that moment, but God was protecting his promise. He was protecting and developing trust in Abraham In chapter 13. We look at this strife between Abraham and lot and remember we saw that his obedience by bringing lot was partial. And we've got these two pictures of these two men. And they're standing on a hill. And there's strife between them. And Abraham's beginning to learn to trust God and believe upon God. And Abraham says to Lot, like, take whatever way you want. I trust God, like God's going do to do, do what he said in my life. I believe him for that. And there was so much strife. And then Lot looks at this great land. He picks the easy road. And we know that from Lot's life, there was a progression from that point towards sin. He pitched his tent in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. He put pitched his tent with the door towards Sodom and Gomorrah that he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he was at the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we look at the difference between a man that hears from God and is obedient to God and is trusting in the sovereignty of God and a man that was infatuated or drawn or compromised by the world. And we see that we're It led him later on, we recognize that like, gosh, Abraham had to go in there and save lot from destruction. And so much so did Sodom and Gomorrah have an effect. On lots life that he was willing to even compromise the purity of his own daughters. But it's at this point that Abraham starts to walk in complete obedience. Look at verse 14 in chapter 13. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. Look to the place where where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent. He came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 1 said, go to a place I'll show you. Chapter 12, verse 7 says, I'm going to give it to you. Chapter 13, verse 17 says, walk and arise and walk as if it's yours. God is starting to establish the promise in Abraham's life. Now, it's going to be years before Abraham sees any of this. Remember that Abraham's been promised to be the father of many nations. He has no kids. And he's like getting older by the moment. I'll give it to you. Arise, I have given it to you. And where does Abraham Pitches 10. Hebron. In the book of Joshua, we learned that Hebron was the word for communion, the place where God communed with man. I love that picture because it's like Abraham's learning to walk with God, he's learning to have faith in God, he's learning to uh, trust God. But more importantly, he's learning to commune with God. I want to just maybe wrap it up in chapter 15. Just look at this last little picture. Because Abraham has to rescue Lot. He's always pulling Lot out of these troubles. Lot had gotten kidnapped by these armies that came through. And Abraham gets like the guys together. And he goes in and takes, uh, takes him back. And just a couple things I want to look at in chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, I am your shield, your reward, your very great reward. But Abraham said to the Lord, and what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my house will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, for your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look to the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur. Let me just go back through a couple of these phrases. God would speak to him. It says the word of the Lord came. God would lead him. He brought him outside. God would show him. He would say, look towards the heaven. He would promise him, so shall your people be. And he would reveal himself, I am the Lord. And this is the beginning of the unfolding of the promise that God had for Abraham. Later on, he would say to, to, to Sarah when Sarah would laugh, is anything too impossible for me? Now, it wouldn't be still for many years, there would be a delay of 14 years because of that second lie and second sin with Abimelech. Again, he would delay God's promise. He would have to live through that desert. He would have to live with that failure and allow God to continue to develop trust. But in chapter 21 like 20 plus years later Isaac is born now because of sake of time one thought well a couple thoughts one is that Abraham would never see the complete fulfillment of that promise from chapter 12 chapter 15 and onward. When he died, he would have only one son. I love how when we're going through the the one year how all the passages are winding together. We got the birth of Isaac, the promise of a people. And I was reminded last night as I was reading go back to chapter 1 of Matthew. Where does the genealogy of Jesus start. Abraham. That's the fulfillment of the promise hundreds and hundreds of years later. The word that God has spoken to you right now, your obedience to that word is important. But the fulfillment of that word may not happen in your generation. In fact, the ultimate fulfillment of what God spoke to Abraham in Genesis is Revelation chapter 7. Let me just end with that. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 7. And then we'll go into our groups and have some discussion. In Revelation chapter 7, it says this. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and all languages standing before the throne, before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Verse 12, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. A few thousand years later, the word of God given to Abraham through delayed obedience, through partial obedience, and then complete obedience, God would fulfill the initial seed of what he had spoken to Abraham. And it wouldn't be till... Revelation chapter 7 that the ultimate fulfillment of that would happen. That people of all tribes, all tongues, all nations would be redeemed to God through one man's obedience. Isn't that crazy? Like, the missionary call started in Genesis chapter 12. And God used one man reach your life through his seed came Christ and we know what happened and we have been redeemed because of that and so I just challenge you with that to to just uh, well we're gonna go into some questions now yeah uh,